The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to another Rebel Podcast. As always, we have P-Nate and Pootie in the studio with Dave doing the tech stuff. He's the wizard. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's good to feel like we haven't recorded for a while, so it's good to be back and uh, good to get this going after a week off with our tribute uh, last week. It was good. I agree. I feel, I feel like a lot has happened since the last time we actually sat in the studio Well, together. we were just kind of going over what we wanted to talk about, and we're like, uh, how are we going to get through all this stuff? There's there's tons. We've had an election. I was at General Assembly. Uh, you know, we had Mike's funeral, which is big for us. Uh, yeah, there's been lots going on. It's been it's been crazy. There's Trump's doing weird things at the border. Like, <laughs> there's, things are going off. There's lots of stuff going on. So, <laughs> so there's lots for us to talk about. So let's get into it. Let, let's just start by saying, um, if you are new uh, joining the Rebels, you can find more about us at Rebel Alliance. AllianceMedia.com. Uh, we'd love for you to interact with us there. Also check us out on Facebook. That's where we drop the videos that come on Fridays. And we just have some friends. We have some friends that we want to introduce you to. We're going to have uh, some friends that are going to be uh, doing some fun stuff with Rebels in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, we also want you to go over and listen to our friends over at the Awakening Reformation podcast. That's Erica and Grant Van Brimmer. And we want to give them a little bit of a plug um, because we're excited about doing some stuff with them in the near future as well. So get to know the rebels get to know our friends and uh we'll keep helping to equip you to engage uh culture with a biblical worldview absolutely so let's get let's get started with the most important thing that's happened recently okay chris pratt uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, so transition into Rebel News. Here we go. So, Rebel News. Um, and you, yeah, you want to talk about your man crush. Man crush. He's, yeah, he is actually a little <laughs> yeah, bit. There's no uh, denying that. His name is Chris yeah. with a P. Like his name, it's mine. It's, it's so me. close. It's, it's basically so me. close to Chris Poots. <laughs> so Chris, Chris Pratt, MTV, accepted a Generation Award yeah. and had a bit of a speech. He had yeah, some he did. Nine points to basically live, how to live your life, I guess would be the way to say it. Yeah. It's caused a bit of a stir. Well, yeah, I, I, um, I actually got, we got sent this. Um, I did, I heard about it actually through Grant Van Brimmer, who we just mentioned. He sent me a link to it and said, Hey, what do you think about this? And then you and I were talking about it. And as soon as I saw Chris Pratt's name, I'm like, well, this is Pootie's man crush. So we're going to talk about this. And, uh, and I, I thought it was pretty good. Do you want to go through each point or do you want to talk about it in general? Well, we, we can we can go through each point. Sure. Okay, they're pretty they're pretty quick. So why don't why don't uh, you just read them and then I'll I'll comment on which ones we want to comment on. <laughs> okay. 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 So the first point, you know, bear in mind Chris Pratt's a funny guy. Yeah. yeah. So first point, breathe. If you don't, you will suffocate. Yep. Funny. Good good advice. Yep. I think. Um, second point's the first one. He gets kind of serious. He's like, "You have a soul. Be careful with it." Okay. Okay. Interesting. Number Especially. Three. 
um, speaking to a, a room full of secular humanists, yeah. right? They're all, they'd all be materialistic. Generally speaking, they're, you know, um, saying you have a soul isn't super controversial these days because there are people into weird spirituality. But I mean, there's a lot of materialism out there and people who would scoff at the idea that there's anything other than the material world around us. So, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, don't be a turd. <laughs> yep. <that's- laughs> if, if you're strong, be a protector. If you're smart, be humble. A humble influencer, influencer, sorry. Strength and intelligence can be weapons. Don't wield them against the weak. This makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. Okay. Just good advice, I guess. Good advice, yeah. Um, (laughs) When you're giving your dog medicine, put the medicine in a little piece of hamburger and they won't even know they're eating medicine. As a dog owner, (laughs) that's very good. That's very solid. And you can tell that he's just, he, I mean, he's trying to interweave a few things that he wants to say to this crowd with some funny stuff. And I think, interestingly, like you're reading these points off a CNN website right now. So the fact that like mainstream media covered this in the way that they covered it actually kind of favorably goes like kind of credits him for weaving these things in. Right. Yeah. The, it's a- the don't be a turd stuff is is funny. And it gets people to, to share it and not get their defenses up, I guess. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that late, later. I, th- I think it's very interesting because this is like you make the joke that he's like my man crush. But Chris Pratt's kind of everybody's man crush right now. Like right. We Guardians can, of the Galaxy. Exactly. Yeah. Like universally, he's a loved guy. And so he gets this opportunity and it's interesting how he uses it because we're about to get into where he could have potentially got himself into a lot of trouble. Right. And we're going to see a little bit more of the fallout as we go. Um Point five, it doesn't matter what it is, earn it. A good deal, a good deed, reach out to someone in pain, be of service. It feels good and it's good for your soul. To an entitled generation, that's good good advice. Exactly. Point six, here's the the first one that I'm like, amen, brother. God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that, I do. Yeah, so when I first heard this point, I thought, okay, like good for you. God is real. That's a big point. I almost wish he had just left it there or like God is real. Believe that I do. The God loves you. God wants the best for you. You know, got my defenses up like, you know, so is he one of, is he one of those cultural American Christians who's going to be next quoting Joel Osteen, right? Um, so, so that kind of got me up, but I, where he goes with this is, you know, uh, so he, he started there. Okay, fair enough. We'll give him that. We'll give him some grace. Yeah, I, exactly. If, the, if this was where he stopped, I'd have more of an issue, but he continues. Um, point seven, <laughs> just great advice, I think. If you poop at a party, but you're embarrassed because it's going to stink up the bathroom, just do what I do. Lock the door, sit down, get all the pee out first. <laughs> and then once the pee is done, poop, flush, and boom. You minimize the amount of time the poops. We don't have to keep talking about poop, <laughs> but he just tells you how to poop at a party. Yeah, it's very interesting. stinking up the bathroom. We've yeah. all been there, let's be honest. <laughs> Um, okay, point me, eight. Point eight. Learn to pray. It's easy and it's good for your soul. So again, he's tying to a few things. Yeah, and, exactly. he's, and he's tying a few things together here, right? Exactly. And here's right? his point nine. This is the big one that uh, got people up in arms on both sides, actually, <laughs> for different for different reasons. Yeah. Nobody is perfect. People will tell you that you are perfect just the way you are. You are not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And you are willing, if you are willing to accept that you will have grace and grace is a gift. Like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, the grace was paid for with someone else's blood. Do not forget that. Do not take that for granted. Right. So, I mean, what's interesting here is, I mean, it seems like he's very clearly talking about Jesus, right? Grace was purchased by someone else's blood. 
that's that's the Christian worldview. That's that's um, you know, absolutely. Um, it's he doesn't say Jesus here, which no. is part of the issue I take with it. Um, I mean, he's not preaching the gospel. So I guess my question would be, what's, his, what, what's he hoping for here, right? We talk on this podcast a lot that, you know, the gospel is God's power unto salvation. So if you're not preaching the gospel, then people's hearts aren't going to get changed. If that's his goal, if he's trying to share the gospel, he didn't do that. The gospel is in the name and the work of Jesus Christ. Um, so part of me wants to say like, oh man, you, you almost got there, but you wussed out, right? Like that's part of what I'm thinking. But I mean, maybe if I'm, if I'm trying to be gracious with him, um, like maybe he's trying to be strategic. Maybe he knows this isn't going to get played on CNN the next day. This isn't going to get played on CBC the next day, um, because he, he shares the gospel. So maybe he's being strategic with it and he's just giving you enough to think about. Um, and if that's his strategy, then maybe I might differ with his strategy, but still good for him. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I took, I took it too. We, we've said before when we're talking about celebrities and when they start making bold statements about God, that it's a lot of, to, a lot of times that's the polarizing thing that they do and then we never hear from these people again. Right. So I find it, like you said, it's very clever that they're that he's doing it this way. I want to say good for him because it doesn't benefit him in any way to go up there and say this. Right. If he just went up there and like gave nine rules, like don't be like all the funny ones, because he ties that kind of through his message. If you just gave those funny ones, everybody would be like Chris Pratt's hilarious. We love Chris Pratt. Yeah. And even if he said like you know God is real, believe in him. I do. I do. That would have been enough for people to be like, oh, okay, Chris. Pratt believes in God, but that's okay because of all the other funny stuff. But he, he kind of pushed it to a point at the end, which makes me want to ask more questions. Yeah. And I, and like you're saying, it, it, there's this strategicness to it that maybe he's not trying to proclaim the gospel to all of his fans there. He's trying to proclaim it to all the people who he works with. And now he gets those opportunities. He's still going to get cast in Jurassic Park and Star Wars, not Star Wars, Guardians of the Galaxy, et cetera, et cetera. Now people kind of know a little bit and they want to ask more questions. So I, I want to kind of give him a little bit of a, a pass. He's my man crush. Um, but no, he's not a crush. That's a weird way to put it. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I want to give him a little bit of pass because I don't really disagree with anything he said there. Right. I, I don't think he shared the gospel because I don't believe you can share the gospel in a half measure, like a half measured way. Right. Um, but you know, there, there are a couple other things that I thought were just so even his point, which uh, which didn't really tie into any of the spiritual stuff he was trying to get across when he talks about earning it. Right. Not taking things for granted, not being entitled to it. Um, that's just a good me- message for this generation. Right. And so there's almost that like Jordan Peterson esque message that he's doing here where he's he's hijacking some of the christian worldview and saying it in a way that is going to be challenging to people but like we've said about jordan peterson many times is that there's some danger in allowing somebody to hijack the christian worldview without going to the gospel because the gospel is the actual power that's there um but you know and, and even like his little like the freedom that we enjoy in this country grace was paid for with someone else's blood so it's interesting again in a, in a time when it's very uh, on vogue, especially in Hollywood, to hate America and to hate Trump and to hate, you know, he's he's actually being pro, he's being a national here um, and uh, and using that in a way to talk about, you know, wh- how grace gets to us. So, I mean, there's a, there's definitely some things to like about it. And uh, and I hope that, um, well, it seems like the, the, the backlash is very minimal. Like, it seems like it, it is being shared favorably on social media by non-Christians and stuff. So it's interesting that he did kind of get away with it. So the question is, where does he go 
from here, exactly. right? Like, is he, is he using that to expand a platform where he can continue to say things like this and get more bold? Or was that as far as he'll go? And in, in which case I'd be really disappointed. Yeah, we it'll be it'll be interesting to watch over the next little little while, couple of years, yeah. to see where this transitions in his life, right? Yeah. To see what the fruit of, of this is. So. so you piqued our interest, Chris Pratt. Come on the podcast. We'd love to ask you some more questions. Yeah, I don't if, know. If, if you're listening to this on and you're on Twitter, uh, tag Chris Pratt in <laughs> in the in our uh, tweet and see if he'll come on and talk to us about it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he's big enough to be on the on the show. <laughs> if he meets our our standards, like we've had the Van Brimmers now, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's one other thing that we just kind of wanted to touch on real quick, and that was the Ontario election. Uh, there are some people who are following us, and I got together with a bunch of the candidates. Um, so we just had. It's interesting that in Ontario, so. I I know a lot of our listeners are outside of Ontario, but in Ontario, we just voted in a conservative government, which is crazy because we talk all the time about how liberal uh, Ontario is. Essentially, this happened because the Ontarios have been in power for a decade and a half and uh, Ontario was sliding into Lake Erie. So so it's kind of a, a you know, uh, what else could we do? The NDP actually got more seats than they ever have. So the Conservatives got a majority government, which, uh, which is interesting. Um, so a couple things I just wanted to note on this. Number one, I think that there were a lot of Christians who voted for the Conservatives because they feel the need to, right? They, they have to vote for the Conservatives because that's the only way they're not wasting their vote. And so I, I, it's interesting. So I didn't vote for the PCs this year, which is the first time provincially that I haven't voted for the PCs. Um, I didn't like Doug Ford. I think I, I don't think he's very trustworthy. I don't think he's a, a good person. I think he, he will be a way better leader than Horvath or Wynn. Um, but it, 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 it's interesting, I think, when Christians get into the place where they start voting for the least of the evil options in front of them. So I was just curious where you landed with that because a lot of my journey on where I was voting and who I was getting together with and the candidates I was talking to was kind of public and it was out there. So I was just curious what you thought in, in terms of all that because I know you had been lamenting about, you know, all these choices are bad. Yeah, I kind of I kind of erred on the a different, a slightly different side of, of you where I was like, I, I, I wasn't pro any of the candidates, right. uh, particularly in our in our area. So I I did that you know super PC thing where I just marked my like just slashed my ballot and said I vote for nobody. Um, so mm-hmm. I voted for no one in my in my riding. Um, so my vote was cast for no one, which is a weird, yeah. stupid thing to do. I think I don't know um, because no, but it's I, counted as a spoiled ballot. It's counted it, it, as exactly as you 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 didn't see any of the options as valid. Yeah, and I I basically because I, I didn't, I, now I should give you credit. You, you went a lot farther in terms of researching some of the like secondary candidates. I just didn't have time to sit down and meet these guys. So I couldn't in good conscience vote for somebody based on someone else's recommendation because I don't think it was mine, even though it's yours (laughs) because, because I don't think that's a good way to be a Christian voter. Um, and I, I couldn't vote for a party just because they claim to represent values that I, that I would agree. And the conservative party in Canada is not a conservative party, really. Um, It only looks conservative to the radical left that uh, it's up against. Exactly. And and my dislike for the liberals, my dislike even probably even more so for the NDP. Yeah, for sure. Doesn't mean that it's worth me sacrificing moral, I guess would be the right way to put it. My moral conscience just to vote for a party just to smite, like to spite the other parties. So I marked my ballot, which... I feel super weird about now, like yeah. after, after the fact, cause you know, it doesn't 
it doesn't change anything, but it, like, at least I can wake up every day and kind of think, well, I feel good about it. Right. It's, um, it's interesting. So there's only a couple things I really wanted to comment on because a lot of our listeners aren't are outside of Ontario, so this might not be interesting to them anyway. But this this is kind of some universal thoughts on things. Um, in Ontario, we had a lot of Christians who were looking at the character of Doug Ford and saying Christians shouldn't vote for him. Which in the states, a lot of Christians were saying the same sorts of things about Trump, right? The, like a lot of the Gospel Coalition crowd in particular were really. Um, uh, vocally anti-Trump, and uh, and I think in some ways for good reason in terms of pointing out a lot of his his moral deficiencies, and I would and and you know I I tend to think as well that I I I couldn't give my full support to somebody who doesn't bow the knee to Christ, um, but I just want to caution on that. So we had in Ontario a lot of Christians who jumped on the NDP bandwagon. And they said, well, they're, they're so good on some of these other things, citing social justice and, and these things, which they're actually not very good at, but people think they are. And I would just, as a Christian, I, let me just say this to all of the people who are listening. You should not be able to, in good conscience, vote for a, com- uh, a party that is passionately supportive of ripping babies apart in their mother's womb. And I know Christians get accused of being one-issue voters all the time, but like we would never accuse somebody in you know uh, the 1940s in Germany who opposed the Nazi party and saying, well, I, I get that that whole thing that they don't like the Jews, but are you really going to be a one-issue voter, right? Like like we are in the midst of a Holocaust. Our children are dying at a, at a clip of you know several you know 1.4 million. Uh, a year in North America being uh, dismembered in the in the mother's womb. So we are at a time in history when that issue is worth being a single issue voter on. So that that's one thing I would just say is like, as a Christian, you can't look at all these other things and say, oh, but I like all the other things that they're doing. They are supporting murdering babies. The other thing I would just say is, is um, for Canadians, who are, are, are supporting uh, the conservatives. And this, this would be the same for Americans who are, vote, are supporting the Republicans in some ways. We had Stephen Harper in power. He was our prime minister, and he did absolutely nothing. Canada still has zero abortion laws on the books, zero. He had time in power, and he did nothing. I don't care if you say you're a Christian. I don't, say, I don't care what you say about being a conservative and being a social conservative and being pro-life and yeah. being and upholding traditional marriage. Uh, if you do nothing for that when you're given the opportunity, then shame on you. So Christians need to stop like um, jumping uh, on supporting the PCs and saying, oh, things were so much better under Harper. They, they weren't. They weren't better under Harper. They were better in some ways, but he did nothing to advance Christian values in our in our country. And in a lot of ways, Trudeau has been able to go as radically left as he has because Harper didn't go right at all. Yeah, that makes that's absolutely right. So anyway, those are a couple of thoughts that we wanted to get out there on uh, some things that are going on. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into uh, today's topic. And we got lots more, lots more to talk about because it's been busy. Are you afraid to open the last book of your Bible? Do you think you need special revelation to understand the book of Revelation? Are you scared you'll get left behind trying to understand all that symbolism? 
Are you afraid your brain might rupture trying to figure out when the rapture will happen? Relax, we've got good news for you. The book of Revelation is filled with many symbols and much imagery, but you can gain understanding by learning fundamental rules of interpretation and applying them properly to the biblical text. Let Pastor Nate Wright guide you through his Eschatology 101 video series. Check it out at rebelalliancemedia.com slash eschatology. That's Eschatology 101 with Nate Wright at rebelalliancemedia.com slash eschatology. Welcome back. So as we said at this, on the outset of this episode, there's tons of things to talk about this, this yeah. week. Um, today we're going to be talking about blasphemy laws. And all that is is the idea of, of every culture and every society kind of holds up one ideal that they put above kind of everything else. Yeah. And you have to bow the knee to that idea to be able to do anything else in the society. It's interesting that we, we plan to talk about this with some of the things that have come out in Can- Canadian politics um, recently, which is a ruling from a Christian university in BC, Trinity Western. Yeah, a ruling from the Supreme Court so, yeah, on... Basically, which shuts down their their right to have a law school because the law school students wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't be able to sign the covenant. I guess would be the right way to yeah, put so it. Yeah. So this this Christian law school had a covenant, like a code of conduct. And I mean, as a minister, we have a code of conduct in the Christian Missionary Alliance, so that if I am acting in a way that doesn't reflect the Christian values that our assembly upholds, then I can I can have my um, pastoral credentials taken away. Right. And so similarly, um, universities are accredited. Right. So this is a law school that's accredited so that if you go to another school or you go into the workplace, you have a diploma from a place that's accredited. This is so that you can't go to like Chris Poots Garage University and get a diploma that's going to get you a law law degree. But you should be able to. (laughs) And so so they yanked the credentials from these uh, Christian law schools because these Christian law schools had a code of conduct that essentially said um, it had the students enrolled there and the um, uh, and the faculty. The covenant prohibits having sex in any way except in the context of monogamous heterosexual marriage. So basically, what it's doing is t- it's telling its Christian students going to a Christian law school that they have to act like Christians sexually. And that's not the only thing on the code of conduct. There's also just basically act like a Christian, right? So it's it's holding you. And we have one of these at our church. We have a membership covenant form and it defines certain sins. And when you come into membership at our church, you sign this covenant saying, you know, I, I um, submit myself to the discipline and the leadership of the church. And should I ever sin in these ways? And it talks about um, it talks about homosexuality. It talks about adultery. It talks about all kinds of different things that then uh, they're submitting themselves to to discipline. So um, so this isn't uncommon in the church world, and it's not uncommon even in there are, there are businesses, secular businesses that have codes of conduct, right? It would have everything from dress code to do they allow you know inter office relationships and all those kinds of things, right? Yeah, it's not it's not new. Yeah, we all we all have to sign things like this. But because this covenant in these law schools uh, have a prohibition against homosexual sex. Um, So basically, the LGBT activists um, uh, sued them, they lost, they went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court uh, essentially 
um, ruled seven to two in favor of um, the uh, in in sorry in favor of refusing accreditation to Trinity Western. So the, the Christian uh, law school lost. And essentially, what this is is the Supreme Court has now ruled that the the students and faculty enrolled there have a right to sodomize and to be sodomized <laughs> and those rights are higher than the rights of freedom of religion freedom of speech freedom of private property all that kind of stuff because these are privately owned universities yeah basically to to put it sort of in layman's terms it means that the sexual identity trumps religious freedom right so it matters more what you think about your sexual identity than it does about what you believe. Right. Um, they, like those things no longer can combat one is above the other. And right. that's a Supreme Court ruling. That's a yep. very scary thing in, in, like, Absolutely. in North precedent. America. Yep. Exactly. So now, so now the question is, what universities are they coming after next? Right. Um, this, this, this makes Christian education much harder. This makes um, Christian university much harder. And, and the truth is, like I said, we have, a, we have a membership covenant form at our church. How long before they start coming after those, right? So, um, so it's, it, it's, a, it's a scary ruling. It's an interesting ruling. Um, but what we wanted to say is that it's, it's interesting. It's, this wasn't a surprise to me. I don't know if you were surprised by this ruling. We were kind of talking about this earlier. Uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't really surprised. Surprised by the ruling when <laughs> the truth is in the Western world, we are kind of ruled ruled by whoever our like our political leader is. Yeah, and even the Supreme Courts, they're going to take cues from that person. But it it doesn't shock me just on a on a human level because I don't expect these people to live to our standard because they're not regenerate people. Right. So I don't know about the two who voted against it, but. Seven clearly aren't because yeah. this is sorry. I'm not shocked when we hear these things go down because I expect these kind of things to happen. Right. So, so, and, and so this kind of leads into our topic a little bit. And the topic we want to talk about is blasphemy laws, because when we talked a couple of weeks ago with the guys from cross politic on uh, what Trudeau was doing and, and just a, a, an update, something that happened here in Canada is that Justin Trudeau denied federal funding for um, uh, summer for students. This is a summer grants job program that's been going on in Canada for a decade and a half. Um, and he denied that grant money to religious organizations that were using it to hire summer interns. Um, the reason he denied it is because uh, religious institutions had to, everybody who wanted to apply had to check a box that said that they agreed with Justin Trudeau on the uh, upholding the rights of women uh, to have reproductive rights, which essentially means abortion. So it's interesting. So essentially what he was saying there is, you know, if you want your federal government to help in any way, shape, or form. You can be any organization you want, but thou shall not speak blasphemy against um, the this topic of abortion. So abortion became Trudeau's blasphemy law. Uh, again, here you have a ruling where, uh, hey, we believe in religious freedom. We believe in freedom of speech. We believe in uh, private property and right of association, but thou shall not speak against homosexual marriage. So that's the blasphemy law. So it's it's just interesting that we're living in this time when people want to concede rights to everybody as long as those rights don't conflict with their highest ideal. And and the highest ideal in the land um, is always going to be what's what's interesting is that we've we've substituted actual justice for uh 
a standard of justice that's essentially just emotional, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what we've done is the reason we can't speak against the LGBT community, the reason we can't have a covenant that restricts sodomy is because gay people will be offended, they'll have their feelings hurt, they will be excluded from this university. And so it's an emotional appeal. And even if you read the literature from the Supreme Courts, that's essentially what they're saying. They say, we recognize uh, freedom, uh, freedom of religion, we recognize freedom of speech, but, and then it talks about the marginalization and it talks about essentially the feelings, the emotion of it for those who are excluded. It's, it's a really scary thing when um, emotion becomes the standard of justice. That's the, the, the problem is, is like when, when you don't have an authority that you can turn to, the authority then becomes how you feel about the, something, right? right? And we see this in all, all different walks of, walks of life. When, it's, when there isn't a standard, it's just how does this make me feel? And when we get into a, a situation where there is people who do feel marginalized and who often feel oppressed and they're the vocal ones speaking out all the time, you get a leader who's sympathetic to that and then all of a sudden everything that they're feeling, it makes it criminal to feel differently right. or to think differently than them. And it, what I find, I find very interesting about this is that Trinity Western isn't saying isn't saying anything really against them. They're just saying we, the people who choose to come to our school choose this lifestyle right no nobody's forcing the lgbt community here to go to that law school to become lawyers and there are literally hundreds and hundreds of other law schools that they could go to and (laughs) and it is a problem because um why would a gay student uh who wants to study law choose to go to a private law school that has a code of conduct against their lifestyle. Like there's not, there's exactly, you don't have to, like you said, it, it, it would be different if this was a federally funded university. If you know what I mean, if this was a public university, that that'd be totally different. Um, but it's not, it's a private school, privately owned school. Um, so this kind of, and this kind of ties in. So I want to, I want to weave some things in and I want to tie some things together. You, you wanted to ask some questions about Christian and missionary Alliance general assembly. So, <laughs> so let's transition into that and I'll, I'll try tie some do- things around this. So you wanted to ask some questions. So I'm going to let you a- ask the questions in just a moment. But, um, basically for our listeners, I was away last week at, uh, at general assembly, which was in Calgary. So I had to take a plane out there and, and a bunch of our delegates got together and we, um, had to vote on a bunch of stuff. We do this once every two years and this is part of the denomination I'm, I'm from. If For those of you in the States, you probably have heard heard some of the stuff that was going on at the Southern Baptist Convention, which happens, again, similar sort of thing, except this is with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So that's where I was um, and I came back uh, and I was I was discouraged by what went on there. So there was lots that went on. I know you want to ask some questions. So ask some, ask some questions and I'll, I'll give you a snapshot of what it looked like while I was there. Okay. Uh, for, first thing I wanted to, f- wanted to find out is we're talking about blasphemy, blasphemy laws. So this, this is a trap the church can fall into too. hundred percent. Um, and I think based on what you've told me and based on things I've read that our denomination has felt fallen into a trap in this regards. So why don't you tell us what that trap is and then just talk to us about that. Okay. So, um, it was interesting that uh, so I felt like I had some some good things to say going into General Assembly. There was a there was a motion forward about um, uh, 
about how about baptism essentially and whether or not we allow um, people who uh, practice pedo baptism uh, into church into our churches as members um, whether or not pastors can um, at their own conscience um, practice pedo baptism we've always been a credo baptist denomination but there are some questions about that so you know it I think I've said on this podcast before, if I was king of the world, I'd be totally for a church that allowed for both credo and and paedo-baptists to exist together and at the conscience of the elders, at the conscience of the leaders, um, have a place where babies or, you know, adults could be baptized. Um, That wasn't my problem going into this. So I asked just some clarifying questions because there was no, I, I actually wanted to amend a motion um, to include that there are different forms of pedo-baptism, right? Catholic infant baptism isn't the same as Lutheran infant baptism, which isn't the same as kind of a Reformed Presbyterian infant baptism. So I wanted some clarification on which form of infant baptism we were accepting and, and all that kind of stuff. But So it was so interesting that there were motions and there were amendments and all these kinds of different things. There's lots of stuff on the table. There's a statement on sexuality um, uh, that was, again, really interesting. And, and so when you're bringing these things forward, so my, my, I obviously, my, any of my stuff gets shot down. And the reason it gets shot down is somebody will always come to the mic afterwards and speak up against how, about how we want to be inclusive, how we don't want to be divisive. Um, how we are one big family, how this is a big tent theologically. We need to make space for all these other people. It was interesting where that, so the Christian Missionary Alliance likes to use this, this phrase, a big tent, that we're a big theological tent. So we allow each individual church within its own constitution to decide whether or not it's a complementarian church or an egalitarian church, which brings up all kinds of problems. Trust me, I get it. Our listeners are probably going to say, like, how are you in this denomination still? It, it's a bit of a struggle. But... Um, <laughs> But within that, so that big tent language, it's interesting that there are places that that big tent is not willing to go. So a couple years ago when um, we lost, I say we lost because I was on the wrong side of the vote, but the denomination decided to um, to grant um, uh, pastoral ordination to women. Um one of the things that that I had brought up and several other people who were concerned brought up is said this this the trajectory that we're going here in kind of rewriting what the Bible clearly says is going to get us to the place that the, the, this is the same path the United Church and the Anglican Church and the Presbyterian Church in Canada took and that is in 10 or 15 years we're going to be ordaining gay gay men and women, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and we were told, no, no, of course not, never. We would never cross that line. So there was a place, there was a line in their heads that this big tent wouldn't go to. So it was so interesting, though, at General Assembly. So we were adopting some statements on sexuality, a lot like the Nashville statements, except not quite as solid and explicit. We didn't have John Piper writing them, so what do you expect? <laughs> and uh, it was interesting because people were speaking in favor of adopting these statements. Um, and then... And, you know, and then one guy gets up and is essentially saying, like, I have transgender and gay people in my community, in my church community, and uh, and I don't want to exclude them. They, I've seen I've seen the fruit that their life is born. I don't want to be able to tell them that we we're now adopting into our constitution something that would uh, uh, limit their uh, ability to serve in my church. And it played on our emotions and the, the General Assembly changed. 
And then from that moment, so now the, 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 all the statements didn't get adopted. Some got tabled because of this guy's emotional appeal. And what was his appeal to? It was an emotional appeal. So again, emotion is the standard of justice. And it was a plea for unity, right? I don't want to kick people out of my church. Like there isn't a place, I think he used the phrase, there isn't a place for my church in a denomination that, that uh, uh, adopts these statements. And so again, unity is the highest ideal. So, you know, I'm going up there and I'm making really, I think, informed, well-researched um, uh, recommendations for how we can think through something better. And it's shot down. But somebody goes up and makes an emotional appeal um, and, and, and uses unity as the thing that he wants. This is, I want unity, therefore I don't want this. And that gets embraced. And one's heresy and the other, I think, is actually orthodoxy. So it's, it's just interesting that um, emotion is the standard of justice and unity is the blasphemy law. Thou shall not speak against unity. Say whatever you want, but thou shall not speak against unity. Yeah, and, we, and you, you saw this. We see this sometimes in our, in our churches when it's like we, we sacrifice truth. We sacrifice saying what the word of God says, which we would say we think is the standard of how you how we live with the idea of being inclusive being a unified body letting everybody else in and you see the dangers that this runs into when like you just articulated there's no place for my church because I'm not following the standard if I if I don't bow to this this idol and people do right. because we've held unity up to be something more important than the gospel that's right and that's not good no it's not what what, what were some other the big big takeaways from general assembly this year so uh, we have a guy who's leading our denomination who I have a lot of respect for in terms of, I, I, I think he's genuine. I think he loves Jesus. He's a super nice guy. Um, but I would, I would say theology is not his um, main focus, <laughs> I guess, would be a, a way of saying it. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a really charismatic guy. Right. So I'm, I'm concerned about the charismatic direction of the denomination for sure. Um, but again, it's interesting. So, you know, he, he said some things that were right on. He's, he's talking about, we need a revive, we need revival. Well, I, I agree. I, you know, if, if we're defining revival as, you know, the outpour, like the sovereign work of God, the outpouring of his Holy spirit, um, we absolutely, we need that. Like we've just talked about some of the laws and some of the horrible things going on in our nation. Absolutely. We need that. But there's a difference. There's a great book by Ian Murray, right? Revival and revivalism. And there's a difference here. You know, revival is the sovereign work of God. Revivalism is is the uh, attempts by man to force God's hand to pour out his spirit. And and that's some of, I guess, what I saw. I saw, you know, so this guy um, is is preaching. If you can, if and I don't say if you can call it that, I don't mean that like disrespectfully. I just literally mean he's not preaching from the word of God. He's kind of going up and giving more of a, a talk, um, talk. Yeah, talk. And uh, but it, so so he talks about how there are secret sins in the lives of some of our pastors. Okay, here we go. Right, Jonathan Edwards talks about how what always precedes revival is repentance. So I'm like, okay, this is great. But he doesn't. He never uses the word repentance, and he talks about those secret sins. And his his solution to the secret sins that our pastors have going on in their own lives is to go deeper with the Holy Spirit which is just a vague charismatic platitude. He said some things that just drove me nuts too. He's just like, he's like, all of our pastors, I just sense that you are only waist deep in the Holy Spirit. 
And which is like, first of all, what does that even mean, right? The Bible doesn't give us a category for half having the spirit or, or being half, like we are sealed with the spirit. We receive the spirit upon conversion. Um, but no, there's, there's no analogy in scripture that talks about having half of the spirit or being half in, but, but this is, this is, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this because you know that this is a pet peeve of mine. So he's just like, but the thing about being half in He's like, the bad thing about being half in is you're only half in. He's like, the good thing about being half in is you are literally one step away from being in over your head. And that's literally how he says it. And it gets all these amen responses. And I'm just like, first of all, I hate it when people use the word literally to mean anything other than literally, (laughs) because if you are waist deep, you're not literally one step away from being in over your head. You're literally one step away from being up to your belly button and and then maybe three steps into being up to your nipples, like maybe 10 steps away from being in over your head. Like what sandbar are you standing on where you're one step away when you're, so there's that. What's funny about that is that you can tell he listens to a lot of Hillsong because he instantly went to a water reference. (laughs) Just like, how can I make these people understand? Oh, These right. soft, water bad pastors, yeah. water reference. Yeah. So, so there's things like that. And so the problem is, yes, we need revival, but the, and yes, we need to get rid of the secret sins that are in our lives, but the Bible prescribes something for secret sin in our lives. It's called repentance. And actually repentance often precedes an outworking of God's spirit. So tell me to repent and tell me to have faith. That's what the Bible says. Don't tell me to go deeper with the Holy Spirit, which is actually just a vague way of not saying anything at all. Like, what does that mean, right? What does that look like? So I, I, I struggle there. But again, even as I'm bringing up some of these concerns, thou shall not speak disunity, right? This is our leader. This is our guy. So, you know, we need to be all in in support of him. And, and I mean, these are, these are concerns. And you can't bring up your concerns because, number one, notice that his... His appeal to how he wants the uh, denomination to move forward together is an emotional one. You're only in halfway. If we would only all be in all uh, like full, fully in over our heads, out of control, he kept saying things like that, like, which is actually not what the Bible says. The Bible says God is a God of order, not of disorder, right? Um, self-control is one of the fruits of the spirit. How is it that the Holy Spirit is going to, I'm going to go deeper with the Holy Spirit and lose self-control? That, that's actually not because exactly. self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So there's all kinds of problems with that. It's, it's bringing me back to some of my, my Pentecostal um, uh, heydays uh, that actually made me leave the Pentecostal church. So there's, there's a lot of things to be concerned about. But, but ultimately, again, where, where we're tying these things together is the, the ultimate standard is emotional the, the standard for justice is emotional. The ultimate standard is emotional. And thou shall not speak against unity. Yeah, it ties it back to the, the blasphemy law there is unity, yeah. right? And then That's exactly as, right. So being, being unified is more important than being godly or being truthful. Right. And being orthodox, if you want to use that word, right? Yeah. And, and Martin Luther said, you know, peace where possible, but truth at all costs. And I feel like we've we've changed that to truth where possible, but unity at all costs, yeah. and and that's a really dangerous place to be. Yeah, it's very it's very dangerous, and like it's not a new thing either. Like if you no. if you read back through church history, there were people saying this in the in the three hundred the three hundreds when Augustus was saying different things. There was people saying this during the Reformation when Martin Luther was speaking out against these things. There were people saying, one big tent, let's all be together so that we don't risk people happening. And what happened is the faithful got put to death and 
the un, the unfaithful, well, they're still unified. You know right. what I mean? Like that's that's great. Well, and so and and this is where I want to tie all this together. Is we are living in a culture that is trying to say tolerance above everything else, right? Unity above everything else, like like emotion above everything else. And all those things work together. Those aren't three different things, right? What they're trying to do is everybody is accepted and everybody is fine and everybody is good. And the one thing you can't do, you can worship whoever you want, you can meet wherever you want, you can say whatever you want, but as long as what you say and what you believe doesn't influence somebody else, right? That's the problem. And so that's if that's the culture that we live in, where the highest ideal is an emotional appeal to tolerance, to um, to unity, really, right? And this is what um, this is what uh, Trudeau said when he went down to New York to to preach to all the graduates at New York University. Is he said, you know, go and find people who are different than you, believe differently than you, and and you know, embrace them and do life with them and that whole thing. It's it's all about all of us coming together despite our differences. Now, now, don't get me wrong, the kingdom of God is full of diversity, every every tongue, every tribe, like, but. We come in and we don't bring our culture with us into the kingdom of God. We bring our ethnicities, we bring our backgrounds, all that kind of stuff, but we don't bring our culture. The kingdom of God sets its own culture, and it's a culture that's built on the finished work of Jesus and the Bible. And the Bible is truth. And even if we're talking about wanting the spirit and to go deeper in the spirit, the spirit is described as the spirit of truth that leads us to truth. So we don't have a gospel that will actually make any difference in our culture if our gospel within our churches looks the same as the gospel outside the churches. The the blasphemy law is still unity, right? We just all want to come together. Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just accept one another? Well, a gospel that says that in the church has nothing to say to a, a, a culture outside the church that's saying the exact same thing, just in a slightly different way. So we need to get back to the inclusive and exclusive gospel of the Christian faith. And that is, it includes everybody because we've all sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God. But it is exclusive, meaning that there is only one way for those sinful people to be made right and to be brought back into relationship with God. And that is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So that's where all of this ties together. We need to get back to a gospel that is first and foremost. The truth of the gospel needs to be paramount. The blasphemy law is, is, ought to be, thou shall not blaspheme the name of God. That's actually the first commandment of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and the upholding of his gospel, because his gospel is the outworking of how, do, how is it that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? It's, it's by having your heart regenerated. And how do you have your heart regenerated? By the hearing and the believing of the gospel. So I, I just look around at the, at the Christian landscape and at the church, and I, I go to my general assembly, and my heart breaks because I think we have nothing to offer the world. We have nothing to offer the world. And we ought to. And I think we forget how exclusive the gospel is, but it's in its exclusivity that there is any power. So... I'm hopeful because I'm post-millennial, and so I know that this is a season and this is a time, and maybe we need to be persecuted, and maybe God needs to break off those who are in our churches who are tares and not wheat, um, and so maybe that's where we're heading as a culture, but um, it's, uh, it's definitely a dark day, and my encouragement to all of our people, wherever you're listening, is don't make tolerance, don't make unity, don't make those emotional things um, the blasphemy laws um, but that you govern your church, your life, your family with. 
um, make sure you're you're solid solidly standing on the word of God and make that the ultimate standard. Exactly. It's Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You we we often talk that sometimes we take the responsibility for the fruit onto ourselves so that we get sucked into things like unity and tolerance. Yeah. Rather than just faithfully preaching the gospel. Well, God takes care of the fruit. Our job is to be faithful and obedient. So let's get back to being faithful and obedient and let God worry about building his own church like he's promised to do. And all of these worldly blasphemy laws, tolerance, sexual identity, abortion, these things won't prevail against the gospel. And so let's just get back to being faithful preachers and students of that. Amen. Amen. All right, man. Well, that's uh, that's our episode this week. It's good to be back. Um, we have uh, some more exciting stuff coming for you next week. Uh, make sure if you haven't yet, check us out at rebelalliancemedia.com and watch that site. We have some... Uh, the site's actually going to be relaunching in the next little while. We have some interesting stuff happening and some people coming on board to help us help you uh, engage culture with the biblical worldview. And uh, and find us on Facebook, interact with us there. Share this episode with a friend. Go onto our Facebook page and invite your friends who you think should be listening to this podcast to like our page so that they start seeing our posts. Share stuff out. It just helps tremendously. Absolutely. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Have a great one, guys.